Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Hey, uh, we brought... um, we brought some of the new business cards tonight that are over there on that like round table, the pillar that goes through that first table over there. So on your way out, I encourage you to pick, pick some up and take them with you, put them in your purse, your wallet, your car, whatever. You may have opportunity to, uh, to invite somebody to one of our services on Sunday or Wednesday nights. And uh, those are available on Sunday too at the information table, but we thought we'd bring them tonight. And if you guys want to take some with you. Genesis 39. Some of you, as you're following along, go, well, we spent a couple weeks in Genesis 37. What about Genesis 38? Well, actually, we're doing a series on the life of Joseph, not a study of the book of Genesis. And Joseph is not mentioned in Genesis 38. So we skip Genesis 38 and go to Genesis 39. And you might say, why is there Genesis 38 and it doesn't continue the story of Joseph? Because Genesis 38 is a very strategic chapter in the sense that it's just a reminder of how bad things are in Canaan and how much the Canaanites are negatively influencing the people of God, which is what we talked about in chapter 37. Things are getting really bad, which is one of the reasons why God is going to separate his people from the Canaanites and take them down to Egypt for 400 years. Speaking of going down to Egypt, This is where Joseph is at. As we saw last week, his brothers now have sold him into slavery uh, to the Ishmaelites. They have now come down to Egypt and uh, they're going to sell him there. And so just think about it. A few days ago, Joseph was this 17-year-old boy who was watching the flocks of his father uh, with his brothers. And now he's sold into slavery into Egypt. It is a reminder to all of us that just because we follow God, just because we are faithful to God, doesn't mean that that things aren't going to happen and that things couldn't happen rather quickly, which is why you and I always have to be in a good place with God and be growing and and be uh, building up our spiritual strength and stamina because we never know the changes that are coming and, and they can happen very, very quickly. So as we begin chapter 39, I, I wanted to share this with you because this is the one sort of big takeaway from this chapter. And that is that this chapter is a reminder that the Lord is always with us. That God is present in the palace and in the prison. He is present in the years of feasting, and He is present in the years of famine. And we see that here in Genesis 39, so I want to direct your attention, first of all, to verse 2. Notice the Bible says, The Lord was with Joseph now in Egypt, just like He's been all along. And we're going to come back to that. Then notice in verse 3, again, that phrase is repeated. The Lord was with him. And this is while he was with Potiphar. But then notice at the end of the chapter, in verse 21, this is after he's falsely accused of rape of Potiphar's wife, and he ends up in prison. And notice now again, that phrase is repeated, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. And then down in verse 23, as he sat there in prison, the Bible says the Lord was with him. Four times 
In this one chapter, the Bible tells us the Lord was with Joseph. And the first two times, it's when things are seemingly going well, as well as could be expected, now that he's in Egypt, and he's now in Potiphar's house, serving Potiphar and his household. But then the Bible wants to make sure that we know that the Lord was with him when he was falsely accused and in prison as well. Because here's, here's something God wants us to get. Many times in our life, when, when things are going well, we'll say, the Lord is with me. And when circumstances aren't going so well, we can get to the point where we say, well, God's not with me anymore. And what the Bible's trying to get us to see is, God's always with you. God is always with His people. And He's with us in the good times and in the negative times. He's not... Because we're going through negative circumstances or adversity doesn't mean God is with us. He absolutely is. And we need to solidify that truth in our minds. That God is with us through everything, through thick and thin. And, and yes, He's with us when things are going well, but He's also with us when things aren't going well. He's always there. Now, Let's go back then and begin the chapter, verse 1. The Bible tells us now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. Now obviously this is talking more about geography, if you will, and the fact that he physically was going down to Egypt. But I think that there's something in this as well from a spiritual perspective. And that is, in a sense that God was allowing Joseph to be brought down, if you will, and humbled. He was descending, if you will. He, he was going from watching his father's flocks, now he's a slave in Egypt. And it reminded me of, of that verse in 1 Peter 5, 6 that, that God you know, wants us to realize, and that is that God will exalt us in due time if we humble ourselves under His mighty hand. 1 Peter 5, 6. You see, if God, like Joseph, is bringing us down, if you will, it's not to keep us there. It's so that He can then exalt us and ascend us and raise us even higher than we were before. That's why we have to be willing to be humbled, or even as Peter says, to humble ourselves. Because God isn't about bringing His people down or bringing them low unless there's a purpose to in that bringing us down and bringing us low to help us to, be, to grow, to, to be trained, to be stretched, uh, to be challenged to the point where we actually are, you know, becoming stronger spiritually and closer to God and therefore even more capable of, of when we do get to that higher position, when He does elevate us or exalt us, we are better and more prepared. And so, when God, when we descend sometimes in life, and we are brought low. 
Remember that God doesn't want to keep us there. God wants to use that time like He did in Joseph's life as a training ground because God ultimately and always wants to elevate and exalt His people. So again, I repeat, 1 Peter 5, 6. God will exalt you in due time, in His time, in His perfect timing, if you and I are willing to humble ourselves under His mighty hand. See, He had a purpose for this. And He was going to accomplish His purposes in Joseph's life. And His purposes in Joseph's life were not going to be thwarted by the Egyptians, by Joseph's brothers, by Joseph's father, or anything or anyone else. In fact, one of the parallels between, say, Joseph and his life and the life of Jesus is this. Let's not forget this. That God was able to take the sins done against Joseph to preserve a nation by getting Joseph to that position. And the same thing is true in Jesus. God used the sins against His own Son to bring salvation to the world. See, that's the kind of God that, that we have. Is a God again, as Joseph says in Genesis 50, 26, that, that you meant to harm me, you, you planned to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose. And God can take the pain and the hurt and the injuries that others do to us and can turn them around and bring something very profitable, beneficial, or advantageous, not only into our lives, but then through us to bless others. And that's exactly what He did with Joseph. So the next time God may be allowing you to be brought down, don't be discouraged. Look at it as that God is just preparing me that if I'm willing to humble myself under His mighty hand, He will exalt me in due time. So then the Bible says, an Egyptian named Potiphar, an official of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guards purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. And God was very strategic in this. This is exactly where He wanted Joseph to go you see the providential hand of God in all the details of Joseph's life. In spite of what people are doing, God is orchestrating the events. And it's no accident that, if you will, the leader of Pharaoh's bodyguard, which is what Potiphar was. In our day and age, we would say that Potiphar was the head of the secret service. In Pharaoh's day, it would have been he was the head of Pharaoh's bodyguard. And that's where God wanted to place Joseph, you see. Because he had a purpose for Joseph's life. And then the Bible says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Wow. You know. Was he with Joseph back with his family and all of that? Yeah. But now through this adversity and being sold as a slave, and now, in a sense, his life not his own. Yeah, God hasn't abandoned him. He's with him. Now, something significant here I want to show you tonight is this. In all four instances in chapter 39, where it says the Lord was with him, if you'll notice in your Bible, and I hope this is true in your Bible translation, you should see that the word Lord is all capital letters. 
capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And the reason that's significant is because that is the Old Testament designation of God as Jehovah. And Jehovah not only means the self-existent one, but it is also a name that emphasizes the fact that God is present with His people. Which is exactly what is being stated here. He is the Lord who is present with His people. This really comes out into sort of full you know, disclosure in the book of Exodus when God appears to Moses at the burning bush. And he's, you know, talking to Moses about leading his people out of Egypt after 400 years. And Moses says, well, if I go and lead these people, who do I say sent me? And God says, say that I am has sent you. Jehovah has sent you. I am with my people. And then he goes on to say to Moses, and I'm with you too. And so, even in the name of God here, is the reminder to us as God's people that the Lord is with us. But there's also something else. In the word with, (laughs) W-I-T-H here, in the Hebrew, it means beside to help. So, he's not just present. But he is literally beside Joseph here now in Potiphar's household to help Joseph with everything that Joseph is going to need help with. And so again, I bring this back to us tonight. This chapter is reminding us that the Lord is with you. He is always present. He's present in the palace and in the pit and in the prison. He's not just present in the good, he's present in the bad. And he's present in the years of feasting and he's present in the years of famine. But the Lord is always with us. And he's with us and beside us to help us. He wants to help and be a help to us. And we're going to see he certainly was to Joseph because Joseph allowed God to help. How tragic that God could be right there in in one of his children's lives, you know, ready to help, willing to help, beside them to help, but they never let God help them. God wants to be there, not just so He can be present, but so that he can help and support and do all of these things, you know, for us and with us. And this is why then in verse 2 it says, Joseph was successful. It meant he was prospering. He was literally advancing and growing. In fact, if you study this word successful, it even goes to the point of being stretched to break out, if you will, and reach one's full potential. So again, don't just, don't just narrow the, heart, the idea of success as being prosperous. That's important. But in that, what God was doing again in Potiphar's household with Joseph is exactly what he wants to do with us. That when we are in these positions, God is preparing us. And, and what this, the Bible is really saying here is Joseph 
was going to find out what was really inside of him and break out and maybe see things that he could do that he would have never seen had he stayed with his family back there in Canaan. By being in the place that he was, and now sort of being on his own, if you will, and in no way being, you know, shielded, he was able to break out and really develop and see all the stuff that God had placed within him, all his spiritual potential, start to come up. And this is what God was doing. You and I, and, and I'm sure this is why, you know, again, Joseph is such a great example and model for us because in spite of all that Joseph went through, he always trusted God and remained faithful to God that, that God had some purpose for this and that God was working His purposes through, throughout all of His circumstances, even in adverse circumstances. And so Joseph was going to make the best of this situation. Could Joseph have been like a lot of us sometimes who we get to a bad place and all we do then at that point is sit, soak, and sour? Absolutely. But you never see Joseph doing that. That no matter what he was doing, he's like, well, God must have a purpose for this. God somehow is going to use this to benefit me. So I'm just going to remain focused and I'm just going to continue to trust God and be faithful to him. And because of that, he was successful. He was able to grow even in this situation. It reminds us that we don't have to always have perfect circumstances or a perfect environment to grow. In fact, what this reminds us of is sometimes having not so great of an environment is really the, the time where we can really thrive and grow. And that was certainly true of Joseph. Hopefully that will be an encouragement to you. He was successful and lived in the household of his Egyptian master. And notice verse 3. His master Potiphar observed that the Lord was with him. A pagan. A man who did not know or believe in Jehovah. Even he could observe that there was something different about Joseph and that somehow his God was with him. That tells us that if we will follow the Lord and we will be faithful to Him, that in the good and the bad and all of that, if we just stay fake, focused and faithful, that other people, even those that don't know God, can see that there's a difference and something different about us and the way we live our lives. Potiphar observed that God was with Joseph. And the Lord made everything that Joseph was doing successful or prosperous. Not some things, the Bible says, but everything prosperous. And I couldn't help but think as I read that, it just took me to this passage of Scripture that I just want to read to you real quickly. And many of you know this passage anyway. It's Psalm 1, the first three verses. How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's command and he meditates on his commands day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit at the proper time and its leaves never fall off and he succeeds in everything he attempts. That was Joseph. The Bible says, the Lord made everything that Joseph touched prosper. Was it because of Joseph? No, it was because the Lord was with him and he was helping him and Joseph was learning to rely and depend on God. And even his pagan master saw the reality of God in Joseph's life. What a witness we can be if we will just stay faithful to the Lord. So notice verse 4. Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and became his personal attendant. Interestingly, this word favor not only means he found grace in the sight of his master, but it also teaches us that from Potiphar's perspective, Joseph was a precious gift. That's really what it means. That Potiphar came to to believe that this young man was a gift to him. And we're going to see why. Because I guess up to this point, Potiphar was having a hard time finding people that he could trust and entrust things to. And what we're going to read in the next few verses is that Potiphar so saw the character of this young man that he knew he could entrust him with everything in his household. How important is that for bosses and, and, and for people, you know, who have businesses and whatever, to find employees that they can truly trust and just delegate things to and, le- and let it go. And that was Potiphar. Notice it says, he became his personal attendant. Potiphar appointed Joseph overseer of his household. The word overseer means to be above. So now all of a sudden, Joseph came from the pit, way down there, sold into Egypt, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, he he continues to sort of descend down. But now it doesn't take long at all because Joseph is willing to humble himself under God's mighty hand for him to start rising again. Because God wants to exalt him and elevate him and put him in a prominent place so that people can see the reality of God in Joseph. And God wants to do the same thing in our lives. He does But he needs us to be humble because as he begins to elevate and exalt us, if we have pride, then we're not going to direct people in that prominent position to God. We're going to direct people to us and we're going to be the ones to take credit for it, which is why we've got to learn humility so that when God does begin to elevate and exalt us, we don't think it's about us and we don't make it about us and we don't think it's because of us but because the Lord is with us. And so now, all of a sudden, Joseph has this prominent position in the home of the head of the bodyguard of Pharaoh, the most powerful man on planet Earth at this time. And the Bible says, he was the overseer of his household and put him in charge, literally put into the hands of Joseph everything he owned. That tells me that, first of all, Joseph had earned the trust of Potiphar. But that also tells me that Potiphar was looking for people to be able to trust. 
that he could rely on, that he could depend on. And folks, if that's true of someone that doesn't even know God, that's certainly true of us. God is looking for people that he can rely on, depend on, who's trustworthy. That's why the Bible says that God looks for faithful people, dependable people, reliable people. It doesn't say he's looking for the most talented, the the most able, the most skilled, who has the most charisma. No, the Bible says, here's the one thing that should be found in stewards or servants of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. That a man or woman be found faithful. Joseph was faithful. And because of that, Potiphar knew, I can give him everything in my household. I can entrust him with everything. What a great testimony. And so from the time, verse 5, Potiphar appointed him over his household and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' household for Joseph's sake. Don't miss that. That's encouraging too. Do you see what the Bible's teaching? That God benefited a pagan's household because of the presence of Joseph. That means that God strategically places you and I in places. And that God can and will bless certain things that we're involved with, not necessarily because the owner of the business is a Christian or our boss is a Christian, but because we're there and we're being faithful to God. And so therefore, God is going to bless this that's bigger than us because of us. That's true in a home. That's why the Bible teaches that even if only one spouse is saved, And the other spouse is an unbeliever. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 7 that 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 one believer in the household can literally sanctify the unbeliever and even the children. In other words, God sets that household apart. God treats that household different than a household that has no believers in it at all. God can work through one believer and bless something just because one person is there. And so that's true of you and me. And that may be why God has you where he has you. You may be the only Christian there in your community, in your family, in your business, in in your workplace, in in your school or wherever you find yourself in. But but don't forget, that's that's a great trust that God is placing upon you. God may want to either reach those people Or you be an example to all those who are there. And God may bless them through you. Just by you being there and you being faithful to God. The blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, was on everything that he had. Both in his house and in his fields. So Potiphar literally entrusted everything he had in Joseph's care. He gave no thought to anything except the food he ate. Sounds like one of us, right? I'm not going to give up what food I'm eating. I'm going to plan my meals. But everything else, he so trusted Joseph that he could let it go. Isn't that a blessing when you have people in your life that you can do that with? 
where you can delegate something and, and you can entrust something to them and you don't even give a thought about it because you know they are so reliable and dependable and trustworthy that they're going to take care of it. And yet the Bible says a person like that is sometimes hard to find. And that's why God is saying to us, will you be that person? That kind of person stands out. That kind of person stood out thousands of years ago in Egypt. And that kind of person still stands out today. A person that can be totally trusted and entrusted with something that those even over them in authority that delegate to them don't even, don't even think anymore about it. I'm so thankful for the people that I have here. Because so much is delegated and, and, and there's so much that I just... You know, would you take care of this? And I honestly, I don't give it a thought. I don't sit there at night. My wife can do that. I don't sit there at night, you know, squirming around in bed and, and, and up all night and pacing, you know, around thinking, oh my goodness, what about this and what about that? I can go to sleep and I can rest because in my opinion, it's in good hands. That's a blessing. And God wants us to be that kind of a blessing in people's lives. Now the story starts to turn a little bit. And this is where we're going to spend the last 10 minutes. At the end of verse 6, the Bible now tells us a little bit about Joseph's physical characteristics. Ladies, Joseph was fine. I mean, the Bible says he was chiseled. As we would say today, he was ripped. And he was handsome. He was not only a young man of great character and great spiritual strength and had a lot of unbelievable, attractive qualities on the inside, but obviously the Bible says he wasn't too bad to look at either. But sometimes, you know, that can get us into trouble as it did with Joseph. Because the Bible says in verse 7, soon after these things, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. Literally, it meant she began to grow in her desire for him. And eventually, she said, have sex with me. Literally, lie down with me, which is what she meant. Now, we might not get any further than this. But notice the Bible says that Joseph refused. Even though Joseph could have been flattered by the attention of Potiphar's wife, and I'm sure, even though the Bible doesn't say, she probably was pretty attractive herself. Notice the phrase, have sex with me. Now, now keep those two words in mind, with me. And then think in contrast to that, the four phrases we've pulled out of chapter 39. Who was with Joseph? The Lord was with Joseph. And now she's saying, have sex with me. The problem with that is, as a person of God, whoever I enter in with, I'm taking God with me. Because God's with me. So whatever I do, wherever I go, Whoever I hook up with, 
I'm taking God with me. I can't say to God, God, I want to do this, so you just sort of stand over there and you wait for me. Let me go do this, and then I'll come back and pick you up a little bit later. No, we take God into everything that we do. And to Joseph, the reason he refused is because that thought was abhorrent to him. That God would be a part of that. In fact, keep your finger there and go to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for just a moment. Paul talks about this principle, even in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 17 and 18. Especially verse 17. But the one united with the Lord as one spirit with him. And then the very next verse says, flee sexual immorality. Which is exactly what Joseph did, by the way. He ran out of that house. Because the Bible says, every sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the immoral person sins against his own body. Why? Because do you not know that your body as a Christian is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Everything that our body does, everywhere our body goes, everything that our body is engaged with, God goes with us. And so for Joseph to have the Lord with him, and to think about now lying down with Potiphar's wife that was not his wife, just was abhorrent to him. That we as Christians could capture that and realize that God's always with us. Always with us. He hears everything that we say, is with us in everything that we do. And we need to learn as Christians to practice the presence of God. Back to Genesis 39. In fact, the word refused in verse 8 means to utterly refuse, and it means to be distasteful, to have no appetite for it. You see, What we see here is a worldly woman who has an appetite for certain things and she feeds that appetite and that appetite begins to overwhelm her and she can't control it. What the Bible tries to teach us as the people of God is to make sure that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we keep our appetites, if you will, under control. Or that our appetite for God and for His Word and for righteousness and things that are good are so strong that we sort of starve our appetite for the things that aren't right. And that's what you have here, such a contrast between a worldly woman who has an appetite for what's not right and you've got a follower of God who has developed an appetite for righteousness and for doing what's right. And therefore, when he's presented with something that's wrong, he literally has no appetite for it. He has no taste for it. It doesn't taste good. And therefore, he's not going to partake of it. You and I develop our appetite every day. 
Which brings me back again to the importance of discipleship and growing in the Lord every day and in His Word. Because whether we realize it or not, we're developing appetites. Whatever we're, you know, occupied with and focused on and, and whatever we spend time, that's what, that's what we're developing an appetite for. That's why even physically, you and I can change our appetite from, you know, if we used to, say, eat a lot of junk food and we, we want to wean ourselves off of, of junk and, say, a lot of sugar and, and eat, eat healthy, we can do that. But, but it takes time because we've developed such a, a taste for that that, it, that it, it's hard to develop a taste for something else. But it can be done physically and it can also be done spiritually. That's, what, that's what's called discipleship and spiritual growth. Developing an appetite for God and the things of God that are so strong that then we don't have an appetite for the things that aren't right. Well, let me wrap this up here tonight by going back to Genesis 39 and saying here, notice Joseph's reasoning in verse 8. He says, look, my master does not give any thought to his household with me here. Everything he owns, he's put into my care. There's no one greater in his household than I am. He has withheld or kept back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do such a great evil and sin against God? Two things here and we'll close. One, Joseph is saying, your husband has so trusted me that the thoughts of breaking that trust, I have no appetite for. He's he's given me charge of everything. Because he trusts me. I'm not going to break that trust. That was so important to Joseph. That Joseph be a person that people could trust. And trust completely. And then he says, I also cannot do this because I would be wronging my God. And how can I wrong my God who has done me so good. Now again, so good, he's allowed you to be hated by your brothers and thrown into a pit and thrown into slavery. From from Joseph's perspective, God is good. He never became bitter against God and sit soak and sour through the circumstances of life. He recognized that God had still been good to him because in each and every situation and season of life, he knew that the Lord was with him and that there were greater purposes being accomplished for the things that God was allowing Joseph to go through. And that's the kind of faith God wants to build into our lives. If God is allowing us to go through adversity and hard times, and maybe even bring us down for a time, it's only to elevate us and exalt us even more than we've ever been. But sometimes the training that needs to happen in our lives, just like in Joseph's life, sometimes it it needs to happen down here so that we can be prepared when we get up there. Genesis 39, and we'll pick it up here next week, but here's, here's what I want to leave with you. Remember this tonight and through the rest of this week and on into next week before we meet again. The Lord is with you. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, the one who's always present with his people is with you. In fact, you know what? In closing, it's just 8 o'clock now. Turn to the book of Hebrews real quick. I want to leave you with this, even. This just came to, 
came to me. Hebrews 13. Here's a, here's a verse or part of a, a couple verses that I want you to, if you don't want to memorize them, write them down, underline them, highlight them, but keep these verses in mind even in the days ahead along with the phrase the Lord is with me out of Genesis 39. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I'm just going to start in verse 5, even though really I want to get to the end of verse 5 and on into verse 6. Your conduct must be free from the love of money and you must be content with what you have because here's the part I want us to concentrate on. For he, God has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. So, verse 6, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid what can man do to me. That was Joseph. Remember, God was beside him to help him. And he, what can, man, what can my brothers do to me? What can Potiphar do to me? What can anyone do to me? The Lord is there to help me. And as long as I've got the Lord by my side, there's nothing that he and I can't tackle together. So tonight and this next week, take that with you. The Lord is not only with you, but he is beside you every moment of the day to help you. Let him help you, support you, and strengthen you. God is present in our lives, in the palace and in the prison, in the years of feasting and in the years of famine. But God is always with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. You never leave us. You never forsake or abandon us. You are always there. God, what, what an encouraging truth to know that there's nowhere we can go, there's nothing we can experience where you're not with us. And not only not with us, but you are right there to help us. That in each and every circumstance or season of life that we find ourselves in, you are able to prosper us and make us successful in all that we do if we'll simply remain faithful to you like Joseph. In fact, you'll even bless others because of us. God, I pray tonight that we would be encouraged by the life of Joseph and his experience and that, God, we would be encouraged just by you and by your word tonight that we might be strengthened and, and, and refreshed and refueled, God, to, to go back into life and whatever it brings, know that we're going to face it with the Lord of the universe by our side. God, go with these folks tonight. Bless them, God. Favor them as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming out tonight. We'll see you next week.